everybody welcome back to another new episode of holy fire podcast thank you for joining us thank you for tuning in if you don't already know my name is michael and i'm here with my dad dr sergio how is everybody doing we are very happy to once again being able to share um god's word our experiences our ministry leadership experiences our successes, our failures, and everything. Uh, the goal is to encourage people, not only the believer, the leader, the inspiring leader, and people in ministry. Just because you're in ministry doesn't mean that there's no trouble, there's no hardship, there are no emotional, spiritual, financial, physical challenges. I know about those, so I feel like I could share those experiences from those angles so people could be lifted up and continue in their walk with Jesus Christ. Remember, we are living times, such times that we never seen before. And many Christians right now, they have no idea how to react. Some of them are going through emotional hardships. Uh, some states still are not allowed, are allowing churches to meet. And many Christians, especially young Christians, depend on that, that mentorship, that fellowship, that communion with the brethren. So, uh, yes, these are trying times. However, God is the same. He's a God of hope, God of faith. He reacts to our faith still. He will always will react to our faith, but we need to be more than positive. We need to be faithful. We need to be encouraged. We need to lift up our heads and continue walking by faith, not so much by sight. If we walk only by sight, you will be depressed, depressed, obviously, right? Because everything around us, it's so negative from the political platforms or realms to the financial, not even, not even. I mean, the the the, the health issue, right? The threats with the pandemic. So they are trying times, but God is faithful, and God is strong, and He needs and wants for us to be strong, keep the faith, and we will see this through, not alone, but with God. Walking in faith, taking him by his hand, and he knows what's best for us. And by the way, this is not the only, this is not the first time the church has gone through something like this. There's been many times in the past, throughout history, especially in biblical times, in the Old Testament and New Testament, where pe the people of God have gone through trying times, to say the least. Trying times, hardship, need. They've, they have gone through wars. They have gone through losses. They have gone through captivity. Such was the case, as the Bible relates it very clear in Psalm 137 that we've been talking about for, for, for some time now, right? Because it's really, at least in my heart, it's really. Um, 
it's speaking to me. Psalm 137, it's speaking to me. He has always has spoken to me, but more now than before, because of the same things that I've been mentioning. Difficult times. And when I read it, and I've been reading it, studying it, I was encouraged. Even though at first glance, people may say, well, how can you be encouraged by the people of God, the Israelites, being taken captive again and being in Babylon for 70 years, prisoners held against their will. They weren't even uh, uh, able to sing. And we recall what the Bible says, right? We'll get, get into it in detail in a minute. So what we're going through now does not compare to what they went through. And they made it through. They were delivered once again by the hand of God, by the mercy, by the love of God. It's the same God that will deliver us, the church, us, the believers, now, nowadays. But unfortunately for some people that do not understand these biblical concepts, and it's difficult, I understand, I agree, who knows the thoughts of God? He himself, himself tells us that. Our thoughts are not his thoughts, right? Our ways are not his ways. But God, I feel, may be working. As a matter of fact, I believe that he is working or he's using these situations, pandemic and what have you, to work with us and in us, to make us stronger, okay? There's a saying that if it doesn't, whatever doesn't kill us, it makes us stronger. So I believe that it's more than necessary for the church to experience these trying, difficult times of despair, need. It's, it's, it's a need. So we could forge our character. So we can prove or develop a stronger character so our faith can be proved and we may be found what? Strong? Faithful? See? Anything that does not go through fire, then you have to question. Now, many of us will go through fire in a sense. Right, uh, in a sense that we will go through trials, but many people will not make it. Some people will, and I really hope, really hope that you are making it. I believe that you can make it. God is on your side, and please don't allow these um, difficult times to. It will test your faith, but do not allow it to beat your faith. Once your faith is tested, and you give in to your needs, emotional, psychological, physical, financial, and then you're done. You're done. Now listen, I'm not one to criticize, and this is the purpose of the podcast, is not to criticize anyone. That is far from our mind, that is far from our objectives and uh, goals for this podcast. On the contrary, we want to edify, build, construct, encourage, 
And even if we have to use our failures in the past, if that's going to help you, great. Because that has been the case in my life. I have seen so many people for so long go through trials and tribulations. They don't even compare, not even by 50% of what I've gone through. See, when you're speaking about death, losing someone, see, that's trying. That's, that's difficult. I cannot imagine how that feels. My parents, thank God, they are still alive. My siblings, my sons, right? My immediate family, everyone. My granddaughters, that bring me so much joy. I cannot imagine how it feels to go through a loss of someone that close to you. It can be devastating, right? And that person may feel that the world is crumbling or has crumbled and some lose hope. I suppose eventually most of us will experience that. We'll walk in through that journey because it's life, right? No one is eternal, at least not physically. However, I could tell you about my experiences and some people that may know my full story may also think, wow, how did he make it? Oh, or, or, or they might consume or suggest that it wasn't that difficult when I know how difficult it was. Or someone may even think that because my faith was so great or spiritual authority or biblical knowledge was whatever, such and such, that it, can, that it was easy. Mm-hmm. But it's not. When you go through it, it's not easy. Especially when you speak about uh, injustice, right? And that'll be a total different topic for another day. But uh, it's never easy for the person, no matter what you go through, it's never easy for the person that's going through that um, valley of death. It's never easy. This is why we should never criticize or judge or point fingers when people do this or they say that or the reaction is different. It's very easy from the outside to judge and say, well, I would never have done that. I will never say that. I will never go there. I will never trip on that stone. Never say never because it, it happens. As a matter of fact, the minute you say never and then it's around the corner. It's waiting for you. So uh, we must build up our, our strength, our faith and uh, continue loving and serving God, doesn't matter the circumstances. Does not matter the circumstances. Now, you may be uh, flying so high, you may be um, experiencing success at a level that you never have in the past, and I'm happy for you. I am glad that you're blessed. I am glad to see you're on the top of the mountain. I am glad that you have found happiness in the job of your dreams and your, your wife, your husband, and your family, and your healthy. Excellent. I, I, I am blessed to know that you are blessed. And I understand how easy it is to give thanks to God when you're sitting 
on the top of the mountain. But I just pray for you, if it happens to be that one day your life is not as as glamorous as once was, and now you're walking through the valley of shadows and death, of death. Remember this. God of success is the same God in failure. The God that was with you on the top of the mountain is the same God that he will be with you in the valleys, deep, dark, cold valleys. In the top of the mountain, you are successful. People applaud you. People want to be with you. People seek you out. They surround you. They want to be with you. At the same time, when you're at the deepest part of the dark, cold valley, you find yourself alone. The only constant, the only constant that you will find in the peak of success or in the valley of failure is God. Therefore, just as easily as you gave God thanks for your success and your happiness and your lifestyle and your quality of life that you may have accomplished, remember, worship God, give thanks to God when you visit the valley of death. Now, a remind, reminder, it is lonely, it is dark, it is cold. But none of those things are greater than God. See, now it may be difficult to give thanks when you're in darkness, when you're alone, when it's cold, in that valley of shadow, of death. It's difficult, but this is something that we must do. No matter what happens, God is still God. And the Word is still His Word. And God doesn't change, nor does His Word. So there's hope. There's hope. And that was exactly the case of the Israelites in Psalm 137. See? I don't know if you want to help me read, but in verse 1, it says, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, we wept, when we remember Zion. See, this is what I'm talking about. This is my introduction in this podcast regarding this uh, uh, topic that uh, I want to call, I want to name Hanging Harps. Hanging Harps, right? Hanging Harps. Now, the harp, it's it's an instrument, musical instrument, used by the Israelites to worship God, to praise God. I think some Bibles it may may not say harp, it may say like la, lyra lyra, something like that, right? Some form of string instruments, right? And they were used to worship God, to sing to God, to praise God. That's very easy to pull out your harp, your string instrument, when everything's flowing and going great, right? And you have everything you can think of, and you're being blessed by God because every good thing the Bible says, every good thing comes from above. And that above means God. 
He is first and foremost responsible for every blessing in your life, in my life, in your life, in everyone's life. The devil is a liar, saying he wants to divide, he wants to split, he wants to uh, take away everything that God wants to give you. So, uh, the worship was created by God. Instruments were created by God, right? For the, for the same purpose, the worship and the praise of His name. We were created by God to praise His name, the Bible says. To worship Him, we are living instruments. As such, we cannot, our purpose is to be played. In other words, it's to, to resound, it's to make noise, it's to worship, to praise, to lift up our hands, up to the sky, up of up, and worship God, recognize who He is in our lives. However, this instrument in this particular time, the Bible says clearly in Psalms 137, 137, that the Israelites, that they want nothing to do with the harps anymore. They were so depressed in such despair that the last thing in their heart was to worship and to praise. Why? They were taken captives. Now, the, the, the Jews, the, the Israelites, I'm speaking about Psalm 137. It was, it was not the first time they were taken captive. It wouldn't be the last. This is a, a, a story that repeats itself in the Israelites over and over again. Why? What, what was the cause of captivity? In captivity, if we apply it to nowadays, right now I'm focusing on the historic value. This did happen. The Israelites were taken captive for 70 years in the times of David, I'm sorry, Daniel, and Jeremiah, as a matter of fact, this psalm is attributed to Jeremiah as one of Jeremiah's lamentations. See? Now, there's a lot to say there. We don't have uh, uh, the time needed. So, the, the point is that they were captive. Now, captivity to us now, to the church, is a result of sin. See? Once we sin, we fall into captivity. And once you're in captivity, such in the lives of the Israelites. Likewise, in our lives in the church today, it will lead you to the following things. Now, let's pay attention to what I have identified here as consequence, consequences. Number one, verse number one says, by the rivers of Babylon. So, they were saying, some, some historians say, that uh, they were placed next to the rivers of Babylon to work. And some have said it was such, uh, they were placed next to the rivers as punishment. So they could see the city and the rivers flowing. However, they were captive. I don't know if it has happened to you, but it has happened to me, probably to some of our audience, where you see the blessing, uh, the river, the rivers in the Bible, it's a representation of, of the Word, right? Of the Word. Uh, for example, that we are clean by the Word. 
would have been washed. When Peter asked Jesus, when Jesus washed their feet, right? You will not do such things. And then Jesus says, hey, you have to. Otherwise, right? So here's the point. The rivers, the water in the, in Bible, in the Bible represents the word, the word. So the word was flowing, right? The blessing, if you identify, if you look up any body of water, there might be some exceptions. Uh, I'm not a uh, um, expert on the topic. However, if you find wherever you find body water, you find life, right? You'll find flora, see greenery, and 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 uh, and, and and life in general, right? Maybe beasts in the wilderness, wherever. So water represents life. However, you and I may have life before us, before our eyes. I'm speaking about the Word. If you have ears to listen, listen to what the Holy Spirit is speaking. This is fresh. This is coming down from the Spirit to my heart, from my heart to your heart. I have no other benefit but to share what the Holy Spirit is sharing in my life. I don't seek nothing. I don't want your money. I don't want to join our church or our ministry or whatever. This is just sharing uh, the Word of God for the benefit of your growth and our maturity and perfection in the body of Christ. So, we may have the, the Word before us. However, if anybody's captive, then you may not enjoy it. You know God has prepared a table before you, but because of your sin of captivity, you cannot come to the table. This is why Adam, in, in, the, in the Garden of Eden, uh, when he sinned, when he ate out of the tree, it was forbidden for him to do so with his wife, Eve. The first action, immediate action, reaction, that we find in Adam and Eve was that he hid. Right? Now, that by itself speaks about the limitation and ignorance in man, in creation, right? Uh, or, or it could be interpreted as a consequence of sin. It makes us ignorant to the fact that no one can hide from God. David said it best. If I hide, if I go into the deep of the water, there you are. If I run, if I, if I, if, if I go here, go there, I can't hide from your presence. We find that in the Psalms. We can't hide from the presence of God. Now, David knew that. Maybe he didn't know that from the beginning. But he learned that. That no one can hide from God. No one. Adam didn't know that. He attempted to hide from God. And God pretended, pretended that he didn't know where Adam was. He knew where he was. He spoke the word. He asked the question, where are you? I was afraid, so I hid, was his response. I'm paraphrasing, right? So that's, that's a consequence of sin. An immediate fear not a godly fear, an immediate fear that places a barrier from your position, 
from where you're at now, a falling condition or a falling condition, practicing sin that keeps you away from the blessings of God. What is the biggest blessing that God can give us? Some, some may say riches, some may say health, some may say family, and I understand all of that. I disagree. The biggest gift that God can give us is His presence. His presence, right? His presence. Unfortunately, unfortunately, sin and creation separates us from God. Number one, because God is holy. And we are commanded to be holy as God is holy. As Christians, we are not to sin. But honestly, we would be lying if we believe and teach that after the um, born-again experience that we stop sinning. The Bible says, every man sins. Whoever says he doesn't sin, he's a liar. Even after we become Christians, we sin. So, what happens? Sin in our life separates us from God. And when we're separated from God, all we have is two things. Our conscience, which I believe is used by the Holy Spirit. And number two, regret or lamentations. To use more of a biblical vocabulary, lamentations. And this is why, and this is what we have here. The Israelites had sin. They were idolaters. They perfected the worship of idols. So listen what God did. So the Israelites were idol worship worshipers, so much so that God allowed them to be taken to the capital of idol worshipers. Babylon. That was the Mecca. That was the capital. So you want this so much? Here you go. So I believe, and this is insight, that the Israelites were manifesting physically what the Babylonians, their, their condition, the spiritual state in the spirit. I don't know if that makes sense, but that excites me so much. The Israelites in Babylon were experimenting in the body, in the flesh, in their captivity. What the Babylonians, any idol worshiper, experiences their condition inside and spiritually captive. Right? Now there's demonic activity there. Right? That's why one, that's why the first of the Ten Commandments speaks about worshiping only God. Jehovah God. There's only one God. There's not a catalog of gods where you could choose from according to your gusto, according to your preferences, personal preferences. There's only one God. He makes up the rules. Whether we like him or not, that's our issue. Right? And by the way, every commandment in the, in the scripture, the, the, the turnout, the, 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 the end product, it's blessing. It's blessing. 
So, so that there they were, and that speaks to to us in the church that we may have knowledge, we may believe in God, in the Word. However, we are captive. So, number one, the first point that I want to emphasize on hanging harps is number one that. Um, the Israelites were manifesting the spiritual condition of the Babylons, right? That speaks to us. Why? Oh, how do I play this? Because they were seeing the rivers flowing. However, they were captive. They could not enjoy the blessing. Number two, if you're out of the presence of God, the manifested presence of God, not the universal presence, you stop walking with God. That's why the word says, there we sat down. See, I stop advancing. I stop growing. I stop in my journey, my daily walk with God. Of course, you're depressed. Your conscience, the Holy Spirit, is convicting you, even though you know that the blessing is out there, what you've done or doing or thinking about doing keeps you away from that. So you lose purpose. The purpose of creation is to worship God. If we don't do that, we lose purpose. It's just like a boat in the deep sea waters without a map, without a boat engine, without a... um, uh, uh, compass, compass or, 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 or direction. Where do you go from there? So spiritually speaking, they couldn't do much else but to sit down. And once you sit down, look what's next. We wept. See the progression? See the progression? Now we weep. They were depressed, despaired. And number four, all they had was the memories. Memories of what? When they were in Zion. Now, I don't know you. I don't know about you, but I've, I've traveled somewhat. I've known places. Not all. Some. I've eaten some of the best restaurants. Stayed at some of the best hotels. At the same time, <laughs> you'd be amazed where I've been also. I mean, uh, or what I didn't, right? But that's all they had. Speaking about the mission field, right? And uh, you don't ask questions, you just eat, you partake. You thank God, it is what it is. That's all they have, that's all you do. So, 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 I've been around somewhat. I've been around somewhat. But listen, uh, when, when you are experiencing, uh, you're staying maybe, at a, I remember staying in a place where if I was, Bitten a thousand times by mosquitoes. It, it, I mean, I wasn't bitten once. I mean, I woke up the next day thinking I had polio or chickenpox or something like that. Uh, this was in some place in Latin America. I'm come to baptize people. Uh, not so imposed. Not the Pacific uh, Ocean. Not 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 in clear crystal uh, blue color waters. It was more more like mud but that's all we had right but when you experience those things you know the good things come come to mind 
said, oh, my God. You know, it was good back then, in that place, in that time, right? So all they had was their memories. They remembered that once they had it good, that it was great. However, the depression and despair was greater than the memories. Why do I say this? Because, because in verse number two says, we hanged her harps upon the willows in the mist, therefore. And that's where I get, get hanging harps. So in other words, well, I have no use for this Bible no more. Might as well put it away. I have no use for this instrument speaking about your mouth, your heart. Instrument of worship. I have no use for this anymore. Let's put it away. Right? That's when people give in to the hardship. So, listen, once again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I believe that hardship is necessary. It, it, uh, trials and tribulations uh, uh, are necessary to get get just 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 like 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 the the uh, purifying the process purifying the gold right it needs to go to go through extreme extreme levels of heat to take away all the impurities and what's left it's pure and that's what trial trials and tribulations do do to us we cannot give in to that The Israelites in Psalm 137, they, they gave up. They hang their harps. Now, listen. Whatever you may be going through, you may be thinking about it, feeling of giving up. You cannot allow your, yourself to do that. You cannot. You must not. Wherever you're at, seek help. Call someone. Ask for prayer. Seek fellowship. Talk to someone with not only knowledge, but a spiritual authority so he could pray over your life. Seek someone, please. Because once you give up, to come back, it's difficult. Some people may not return. But this is what saved the Israelites. And I'm going to show, show it to you. Verse number two. We hang our harps upon what? Trees. Okay. What, for, what Bible do you have? I have the NLV. NLV? NLT. Okay, I think on my iPad I'm reading the uh, New King James, right? Yeah. Okay. Your Bible says tree? Mine says the poplar. Okay. Poplar trees. My Bible says willow. Willows. Right? But, but, but they're trees. Yeah. Right? They hang their harps. Let's just allow me to think out loud, please. That the harps here symbolize or represent your heart. Okay? Just bear with me, please. Your hope, your heart. Let's stick with H's. Your hope, your harp, your heart. Okay? They hanged it on the tree. The reason they were saved from captivity. See, the tree represents the cross. So this speaks to me 
that their hope was hanging on the cross. See, this is good news. This is the good news of salvation. This is the good news of salvation. Right? We must hang on to the cross. Not the literal cross, of course. What it represents. The cross actually was an instrument of vile deaths to the worst of the worst. But that's the price Jesus Christ paid for the um for our sins. Not only the covering of our sins, but the washing of sins. The sins do not exist anymore. Before, in the Old Testament, every sacrifice, it covered the sin. The sin still remained, but it was covered. Right? But now, Jesus on his death in the cross at Calvary, more than 2,000 years ago, his sacrifice as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. His sacrifice, the cross, has the potential to take the most difficult, most difficult challenge, if you will, in our life. Sin. No one else could do that. Only Jesus Christ. Christ. Only Him. So if He's able to take that away from us, what is this despair that we're going through? We are human beings and as such, we partake of emotions. It's part of our system. It's part of our constitution, emotions. We're very emotional people. And it's difficult to hear, to see, watch the news, CNN, whatever channel you like, Fox, NBC, whatever. It's difficult to stomach what we're going through. I think we're getting close to half a million deaths because of the pandemic in, in the United States, just in the United States, not to mention the fear worldwide. It's difficult. But as bad as it is, this will pass. This also will pass because it, it's not bigger than the cross. It's not bigger than the cross. Therefore, getting back on topic, go, 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 go to the scripture in verse number three, the Israelites say, and on top of that, the people that carry us away, captives, they're, re they're requiring from us a song. They were mocking them, and you got to prepare for that. You have to prepare for not only, of course, the dark forces, the kingdom of darkness, demonic activity, that is obvious, but sometimes it's going to come from people that you know. Especially if you're a Christian and you lose your job or you lose the parent, a loved one, or you get sick. So people are going to come to you and wonder and question, I thought you were a believer. Where is your God? What happened? Especially, I want to open a parenthesis here. I want to be very careful of what I'm going to say and how I want to say it. So I'm going to slow down a little bit. We must be careful of the doctrine or theology, I'm sorry, theology of prosperity. 
but name it and claim it, believe it, you receive it, right? Because as I understand, most of the healing schools are closed down because of sickness. So what happened there? Right? Right? But I'm not speaking about that because that's, that's, we could debate about that all night, all day long, and not come to a conclusion, or at least not come to an agreement. Because I understand what I believe, and, and I have conviction on what I believe. However, the devil may come to your life and sow seeds of doubt. If I'm a son of God, why did I lose my wife? Or my husband? Or a child? Or a parent? See? And that is designed to discourage you. And this is exactly what they were doing to the Israelites. They were requiring a song. In other words, you guys are known worldwide for your songs, worship, and praise to your God. In other words, where is your God? And many people may be asking, where is God? Listen, I've known of many pastors that have passed on because of COVID. Yeah. Right? And some, some, and I'm not criticizing, I'm not judging, some, they determined to pray for the sick. They were, uh, that, that they were, fed, they fell to the, to the pandemic. So they were laying hands on the sick and they got sick themselves. How do we explain that? How do we explain that? You know what we do? We don't. We don't explain it. God is God. He can do however He wants. He doesn't owe anything to me. He doesn't need to explain Himself to me or to the church. See, a problem the church has is, especially uh, leaders, that we come across as all knowledgeable, that we have all the answers to life's questions. And that could be far from the truth. That's far from the truth. There are many questions that we do not know the answers to. Why do good people die? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? And not just your perception of being bad people. No, I mean proven bad people. Why? But if we, if we don't find it in Scripture, we're not supposed to know. It's not my duty to explain God or for God to explain to me how he does with his creation. That's his decision. One day, eventually, some people teach. We will know. We will have answers to all those questions. So that's what's happening here. But listen. Listen to the response. Verse 4, what does it say? But how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a pagan land? You may be asking yourself that question. How can I give thanks to God while I'm going through the suffering? Neat, difficult times, trying times, trials and tribulations, despair, losses. Everywhere you look, maybe in your life, maybe your job, maybe your finances, maybe health, maybe the loss of someone, maybe, listen, whatever it is. So their attitude was, how can we sing to God now Paraphrasing, now that we're captives. In other words, 
if we were free, successful, healthy, and rich? Yes, of course. And that's what many people do today, nowadays, in the church. We have Sunday Christians. We have pulpit prophets. We have、uh, program pastors, event apostles, weekend prophets, weekend apostles. Yes, I say it with conviction. I've been there, done that, seen it, I've heard it. So, among, among preachers, among pastors, there's a、um, competition that we don't talk about. That is not mentioned, but everybody wants to know how many members each other s have, right? How many members? Oh, I have 500, 1,000, 1,500, 5,000. Okay. Church members or church cores? Church members or ch- church cores? And if you're a pastor and you're a minister, ask yourself that question. You have members or church cores? Because it's night and day. Church members, I mean, you want church cores, but you have more church cores than church members. Right? Because a church core, the Sunday attendee will only attend, aside from Christmas and, and, and、uh, what else?、Um, your most recognizable holidays Easter. Easter and what else? Thanksgiving, maybe. What else? I don't know.、Uh, when, times, when times get tough, they stop going. See, they are weak. But in part, we are responsible as church leaders because the church leadership is fine with church cores. As long as, long as the chairs are full, we are happy with that. And that's our downfall, that's our responsibility. Because we are measuring our success by the number instead of the quality. It's not the quantity, it's the quality. That's why Ephesians 4 says that the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, the, the pastor are called by God, they're equipped by God, so we get equipped the saints for the perfection of the saints. We are never called to saw, saw, saw out. Decisions. We are to make out of the creation, preach the gospel for the repentance of sins, and listen, we're not even called to make Christians. The, the word Christian is only mentioned twice in the, in the Bible, and never by Jesus. Right? Just like an American. And、uh, someone from America, it's an American, right? So we believe the doctrine, teachings of Christ, so we're Christians. But that doesn't mean that we're holy, that we live in obedience, that we are strong, that no matter what you throw at me, I will ne- never hang my harp. That's not guarantee. But since we are preaching nowadays a Christianity light message, Focus 
on user-friendly services based on programs and huge productions. We are growing in presence, not the presence of God, the presence of the minister or the organization, but the church cores grow weaker every time. That's why this is one of the reasons when one of the, the weak ones person that it's weak, a believer that it's weak, it's attacked. Doesn't matter the strength of the attack. It could be the small, smallest attack. They give in. They have no faith, no hope, no strength, no spiritual authority. They give up. See? There's two ways of raising your hands. To worship and praise giving all glory to God, to your Creator, the only God, true God, the just God of justice, mercy and love, or you raise your hands when you give up. Right? Like when a thief comes behind you and says, stick, what is a stick him up? Yes, I raise my hands, but out of fear. I represent no threat to the robber, to the thief. I'd rather lift up my hands. Doesn't matter if I feel weak. Doesn't matter if you're weak. Doesn't matter if your wife left you, your husband left you, if your son or daughter is sick, if there's a threat of you losing your job, losing your home, the mortgage payment, the bills are piling up. I don't know what you're going through, but please don't give up. Just look at the cross. Look at the cross. Look at the cross. Look at the cross. It's the door that God is providing. It's Jesus hanging on the cross saying, Do not fear. You're a creation, a child of God. Do not fear. God is for you. Doesn't matter what weapon it's formed against you, it will not prevail. Yes, there will be tears. Yes, you will feel alone. Yes, you will be ridiculed. Yes, humiliated. Yes. Whatever you, whatever you want, but not by God. He will stand with you, even when you can't stand up for yourself. So this is what verse 4 represents to me. The willows, the poplar trees. I looked at the tree, and my heart represented in the harp, the strings of my heart, the ones that I used to play to worship God. Hope. Hope. This is what happened. Check this out. Pay attention to this. Verse 5, what does it say? If I forget you, O Zion, let my right hand forget how to play the harp. Okay. What they're saying is, since their hope was hanging on the cross, so in other words, Listen, if I forget who I am, in other words, where I come from, my purpose in life, what's the purpose of having talent or the ability to play an instrument? If it's not from God, for whom then? And number six? May my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I fail to remember you. Okay, so, so pay close attention to this. The Bible says that God of the abundance of the heart speaketh the mouth. 
And what is it speaking about here? The mouth. Right? The inspiration. The inspiration. Right? I don't need more inspiration if I forget Zion, the holy hill, capital city of Israel, Jerusalem. So what? So the resolution was this. I have hope. I will never forget who I am, who God is, what the word means to me. Hope and faith. If I do, I don't need any talent to play an instrument, nor the inspiration to write the songs. To write them and to sing them. So they were... They, they, they were that committed, even though they were down, even though they were weak, even though they were captive. But they had a conviction. They didn't lose hope, even though they were depressed, because it's allowed. We're not exempt from that. Don't feel bad if you feel depressed or alone. Don't stay that way, but don't feel bad. There will be times where we go through hardship. And how long? I don't know. As long as it takes. Don't stop looking at the cross. Don't hang your heart. And if you do, hang it in the cross. And renew your commitment to God. Your talent. Your musical instrument, which is your heart. Right? That inspiration that, that, that is of the Holy Spirit, it's only for Him. If it's not for Him, it's not worth playing, singing, or, or doing any, any of that. And then the Israelites finish by saying, Remember us, God. Remember everything they're doing to us. In other words, I depend on you, and you know what's best. Right? And eventually the Israelites were set free, as prophesied. And they then they came back to, to the land. So it's more than a nice story. It's more than a nice chapter. It's more than uh, depression. It's more than weeping and sitting down in Babylon. It speaks more about the hope and the faith that the believer, the leader, the young leader, the minister has to have and hang on to in these times of tribulation. And that gives, it speaks of hope to me, but also gives me hope that no matter what I go through, if I hang on, I'm going to be okay. And you're going to be okay. And we're going to be okay. And you know what? Guess what? This is my conviction. And if, and if I don't end up okay, I'm okay with that. Because I know who I am, where I come from, why, why I was created, and the purpose of my life. To worship and to praise God.